1: Three, two, one, and we're back, Julie. It is February the 10th, and you have been blessed with Hmm. a full day of one on one coaching calls. More to come. More to come. Yeah. Yes. So what do you, are you uh, messaged me uh, halfway through a coaching call you were having with one of our great clients in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. and you announced this, it was a real quick message that one of her listings, was she on the list side of the side. buy side, sold for $1 million over asking.
2: A million over asking. Yes. In, you in saw Aust- that right. <laughs> in
1: Austin, Texas.
2: <laughs> to which I asked. Are we sure the buyer counted their zeros correctly and they didn't mean to go a hundred thousand over?
1: Or, but exactly. in fact,
2: the the buyers are quite sophisticated. One of them, I think, one of them's a stock guy, and the wife uh, owned a bank or something like that. And yes, they're from California. They're Chinese buyers, but they're from uh, California. Austin is full of this type of experience. Yep. Nashville is having this experience, uh, but a million over, you know, that's that's really. That's a bigger one to go I wonder if that's
1: a record. There has to be somebody who's paid more than that over.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll find out. I'll I'll bring it up on uh, Premier Facebook Live and see if anybody can top that overage. Can you
1: imagine the agents, if there were some private Facebook group, how they'd be arguing that the uh, listing agent underpriced it?
2: Mm -hmm. Hmm. (laughs) Interesting point, though. Okay. Here's what's weird about this is we know it wasn't underpriced because it's actually been on the market for a while these people missed out on a house down the street, decided they loved the neighborhood and came back to this one that has been around for a while. So guess what our lovely agent in Austin is going to be doing? Calling everybody in that neighborhood to see who's next. So yeah, one thing leads to the next. And the other thing that I I think is developing out there is, you know, especially on the buyer side, we had Facebook live yesterday and all the problems that they had were buyer side problems. So for example, making sure that when you are waiving an appraisal and guaranteeing that the buyer will make up the difference, that the buyer actually understands what that means, right? And if, if you don't have a cap on that, you could be putting your buyer in a situation where now they've removed all of their other contingencies. This was an actual case from yesterday. They've removed all their contingencies, but they, they expected that it to come in 10,000 high, and it came in 20,000 dollars
1: So walk me through that. So on the surface, you're what you're saying is they waived their appraisal contingency, but does that mean they're also what if the financing itself is contingent on the appraisal? Do they also waive the financing contingency or are these Except cash buyers?
2: That they waived the finance contingency. Ah. Thus they are stuck with what they agreed to. And you know, there's a lot of these these sort of gray area cases where agents are trying to figure out how if I did all of that, how can I now get my buyer out that can't hack that, that can't either doesn't want, this wasn't even a doesn't want to. They had the money. Now they're trying to get out even though they've got the money to do it with because everybody expected it to come in 10,000 high instead of, uh, you know what I'm saying, that was cut by 10 instead of 20.
1: So when does the earnest money go hard on deals like this that you're saying?
2: It's written into every contract's a little bit different, but certainly something like that, if they try to back out, I would expect them to lose it because all of the other contingencies are waived. My point being from a coaching standpoint, when you're having to be that competitive to get your buyer to win, you better be real clear with them what they actually signed up for, okay? Now there are some markets, you know, all this is a little bit different market to market. There are some markets where you have uh, like a home hold harmless agreement and it enumerates like I understand what waiving the appraisal means. I understand that I'm not going to have the seller pay for radon. I understand like all of these different things. So that the agents protected, the brokerage is protected when a buyer might freak out, you know, understanding what they actually signed up for. And I think it's worse because of DocuSign, because nobody ever reads anything. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's causing a lot of buyer side consternation. And
1: there, there's another one you told me about too, where it was a buyer getting. It was not an extraordinarily expensive house, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. This was maybe last week. Where the buyer waived the financing contingency, or I'm sorry, waived the appraisal, but it was still contingent on financing. But they had to agree to pay for uh, this. They they were they got the seller to agree if the house, you know, whatever the over contract price was, if the appraisal came in low, mm-hmm. that they would split the difference with the seller. Yes, and the seller actually said no. Whatever the above appraisal price that comes in at, it's your problem. You're gonna write the check right. for it. And so that's the other thing that's happening.
2: Yeah, and I would encourage agents to write that with a limitation to how far your buyer can handle it, right? So if you're having to make up the difference with cash, because the lender's not gonna let you finance it, that's the whole point of the appraisal. So if you have to make up the difference in cash and that buyer was planning on using that cash for their down payment, Now you're, you know, now you don't have a deal anymore. So you have to be very clear on this stuff.
1: You know, it's worth mentioning too. A lot of these buyers, they might actually have an an alternative source of, you know, income or essentially another bucket of cash they could pay the house, uh, you know, Buy the house the cash, and then and then refinance it. Yes, there's some of that going on. That might be the way to go if you have somebody that's got um, you know money from the stock market or savings, you know, retirement account or something. Maybe they just want to borrow against those accounts. Not normal advice we'd ever give. Trust me um julie and i are always more conservative um especially when it comes to financial stuff but when it comes to situations like this that would put the buyers in an all-cash situation and then after closing they can just refinance pull the money back mm-hmm. out and, and replenish the yes. uh the accounts i mean that's, that might that's be an move. easier process right. right
2: and it gives them freedom of time which they don't have in these crazy situations yeah <laughs> you know, it's amazing so, isn't it yeah and then there was the case of the uh, either the listing agent or the seller saying, I'll accept your deal, but the buyer's agent has to give up their commission. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty extreme, right? And think of, think of the position that puts the buyer's agent in if they say no. Now the buyer's going to be mad at them. The buyer might not get the house. They'll probably lose the client over it. So I, I think there's a lot of uh, ethical situations out there that are really making agents uh, stretch their brains to both take care of their client and get them what they want but also make sure they're protecting them on kind of the back end of the deal. So it's it's an adventure out there, that's for sure.
1: It does always go back to be the uh, listing agent. Be the listing agent. I was about to say. I mean, all the pain and suffering. All it almost always happens on the buyer side of the transaction, and the market's just going to continue to beat on the buyer side of the transaction. There's no doubt about it. We've been talking about that endlessly on this podcast. All the downward pressures on buyer side commissions are they're definitely in place. It's definitely going to happen aggressively this year. To you know Julia's example, even getting to the point where the buyer agents going to have to learn and I do believe this is true it only makes sense the buyer agents are gonna have to learn how to you know present to the buyer why they're Mm -hmm. worth whatever the commission is, and that the buyer is going to have to agree that they're going to cover the buyer agent commission in the event that it's not an entitlement of the transaction. You guys are so used to flipping on the MOS or whatnot, and seeing that there's a co-op for X percent, and that's that, it doesn't even have to be a conversation with the buyer ever. Well, it's going to have to be a conversation with the buyer, and based on what we're experiencing from all the thousands of coaching clients we have all over the United States, and now picking up some all over the, uh, the world. We're going to start seeing, I think, a lot of real you know, buyer agents having to learn the skills that are not so dissimilar that they would have had to learn how to be listing agents. And then maybe they'll have the epiphany, hey, you know what? Maybe I should have just focused on being a listing agent out of the gates yep, absolutely. <laughs> when I got my license. And that is what we coach you guys to do. That's our primary focus. Obviously, we teach you on all aspects of building your real estate business. But at the end of the day, it's the listing agents that have the leverage. If you want to Make it so you don't have to worry about whatever the latest salacious headline is on Inman News about some looming tech you know, monster that's going to try to eat your lunch. Just focus on being a listing agent because that's where you're going to find your greatest amount of leverage. And by the way, if you guys have yet to download your 2021 real estate treasure map, which is your fill-in-the-blank business plan, just go ahead and text 2021 to 855-685-1045. So on today's podcast, Julie has decided, uh, based on a bunch of emails that we've been getting from you guys, that we're going to be introducing you to, or in many cases, reintroducing you to what we call the survival plan. And she's reading this right out of the book. So if you see her and hear her shuffling Mm -hmm. around on the pages in the book, that's why. And the survival plan, Julie, you designed this originally for what purpose?
2: Who is this for? Well, so nice segue. The title is, when is it time to use the survival plan? And I'm going to give you eight quick examples, and this probably will become a podcast series about the survival plan, maybe uh, two to three podcasts on this. So we'll just start it out today. When do you use the survival plan? Number one, when you're having a temporary, like 30 to 60 day cash flow issue for whatever reason. Number two, when you're struggling financially and have zero cash reserve. Some of you may have multiple of these points. Number three, when you have nothing pending currently. So maybe you're actually an experienced agent, but you've you've gotten down to no pendings. Number four, when you are listless and at zero listings. Number five, when you are recovering from a big financial hit for whatever reason. Typically I hear medical reasons, I hear you know had to replace a car, whatever the reason is. Number six, when you have extra bills that you hadn't planned for. Number seven, when you just lost some deals you were counting on for income. It's pretty tough when you don't just lose one deal, but sometimes they lose batches of deals, two or three die at the same time. Number eight, when you are in rebuilding mode for whatever reason. That would be you know, returning agents that don't have anything going on Or yet. new agents, really. Or new agents. But this plan is not just for new agents. Even top producers and seasoned veterans have had to use the survival plan from time to time. The aim of what we teach you is to help you become a strong enough business person and real estate agent so you don't have to use the survival plan very often. But you know it's there and you know when to use it.
1: I probably had three or four texts uh, where I told them to use the survival plan just in the past yeah. probably three or four days. And I get sure. at least one a day where they, the solution to their problem when they're asking what the hell should I be doing mm-hmm. is not buy leads, not you know worry about branding and make a bunch of TikTok videos. The answer definitely is to get to work and follow the survival plan. And just like everything we teach you guys to do, it's always going to be very practical and tactical. And hey, guess what? doesn't cost you any money. It does require some effort. It does require you doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. But the end result will be you'll be no longer worrying about your survival. You'll be moving on to thrival.
2: Is that yeah, a word? thrival. It is now. You coined it. It is? It. Okay, good. Good job. It's a new Tim word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're going to do the survival plan rules, and then we'll do the actual plan tomorrow. Okay? Good job. Okay, so survival plan rules. Number one, follow the plan. It's a temporary 30 to 90 day survival plan. It's not the rest of your life. When you follow it, you'll be able to get out of survival mode more quickly. Number two, plan, rule. Don't pick and choose what you're going to implement. Do all of it. Number three, don't try to reinvent the wheel. Just do the work and be in action. Do it the way we coach you to do it. Number four, do nothing but dollar productive activity during survival mode. Nothing, no tweaking, no playing around, no social media, no messing about tweaking tweaking i've got to go tweak my website
1: you know
2: that kind of thing not not julia you sound
1: sarcastic i do well you know what
2: i get tired of it sometimes (laughs) i seriously (laughs) right yes okay uh number five don't spend more money than you have during survival mode so don't dig the hole deeper i mean exactly yeah uh number eight let's see i'm sorry Number six, to get an accountability partner to help support you as you work through this. We're very good at that on our Facebook Live page. They're very good at connecting with each other for that sort of thing. Uh, number seven, commit to working five days a week for eight hours daily and real estate. More is okay. You do not have the luxury of excuses or time management. Just get to work. They don't get to have something wrong with them. What's wrong with them is they have no pendings. Well,
1: and most importantly, and this is, I kind of, you're circling around on all these little subpoints, but the essence of it is, Stop getting ready to get started and looking for more solutions. Just actually follow the plan and do exactly what you're supposed to be doing, exactly like we tell you to be doing it. Guys, we're not new at this. We've been coaching agents and been in the real estate industry for, dare I say, more than two decades, which is shocking to say. And these plans that we create and all the things that are in our book, Harris Rules, and all our coaching programs are designed to work in every price range and every market condition and every agent, no matter what their level of experience is. Real estate is the easiest, most simple, you know, simplest, most most elegant business that people love to make uh, too complicated yes, and love to overanalyze, well and love, love to overthink. This is the survival plan. Write down point number one.
2: Yes. point Rule number eight, don't associate with anyone negative starting now. Number nine, remind yourself daily that this is only temporary and you're taking action. And number 10 is maybe the most important. Actually ask for help when you need it. There's so much back and forth. And, and by ask for help when you need it, I do not mean Post on Facebook, on a (laughs) realtor website saying, what do I do? Julie, talk about that experience you had the
1: other day (laughs) on that. Don't say the name of the Facebook group because they'll mob us. But there was a Facebook group that Julie was uh, one of our coaching clients drew, uh, essentially sent a link to Julie and said, Julie, you got to help this agent out who, who wasn't a coaching client, probably wasn't even a podcast listener. But one of our coaching clients saw this agent was basically drowning in this particular Facebook group with some question that they asked. Do you remember what I'm talking
2: about? I don't have this seen so much better. Yeah, Which I know. One? But
1: the one you afraid, you told me about where the agent was saying, I have a seller who can't make their payment or whatnot. Oh, yes. Talk about that.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Don't well, skip anything details because it it's was important amazing. to understand.
2: Well, you know, on previous podcasts, we've been coaching you guys to be very adamant about talking to your database for many reasons. But one of them is that there are people in your database who are coming off of forbearances. Remember that all of this started to hit the fan right about this time last year, February, March. Forbearances are allowed up to 12 months. Then it's at the lender's discretion if they're going to give you more. Okay. Those are the rules. So this person had posted you know, my, I've got a, a past client that I sold in the house two years ago. They are, have fallen on hard times and can't make their payment anymore. What should I do? And it was like 37 posts before somebody said, you know, uh, get them either. They, oh, this person hadn't been in forbearance yet. Okay, so sorry. I rewind. Um, they'd fallen on hard times. They still have equity. What should I do? But it was 37 posts before the word forbearance was said. And I thought, isn't that interesting that all agents, you know, they're pouncing on the opportunity of the sale. I can appreciate that. But let's lead with doing what's right for the homeowner and present some options. So in coaching, we coach that you should know about what the options are. You can do A, B, or C, which is best for you. Not, you know, sell it today or else. Or And but then the, the other comments were, oh, my God, it's going to be a short sale and the market's going to hit the fan. And it was just so I could, I really felt bad for that agent because the level of confusion about all these other agents piling on they it wouldn't have helped. It goes that's
1: the ultimate fallacy basically in asking a mob for advice. Yeah. You're not qualifying wh- uh, whom you're getting the advice from. And yeah. generally speaking, they you know people like to you know write soliloquies about the wisdom of mobs. That hasn't been my experience.
2: No, I'll give you one even better from this morning. <laughs> Most
1: mobs are not very oh smart.
2: Goodness. There was a post this morning that had like. Thousand, almost eleven 1, hundred posts, very quickly, and some agent had posted. Now that Zillow and EXP are merging, what are what? we going to do? <laughs> I know, like my head almost blew off, right? Because that's not happening. That's never going to happen unless you've got some intel that I don't. No. But man, the back and forth on that, and and just like, I would say, like the probably the first. I was just scanning down, and it had to be the first fifty posts. People totally believed that. Yep it's like why are why why
1: do you go there but more importantly though i mean if you really want to cut through all of it just going to most of those websites well it's just like on clubhouse for example yeah and i'd you know, it's interesting, we intentionally will pay attention to what you guys are talking about on social because there's only so many little tentacles Julie and I can have in so many different agents, businesses, right, and so many right. different markets, right? And so for us to stay frosty and you know essentially stay at the front of the curve with what's going on in your minds, we have to pay attention to what you're talking about. And I have to say the dissemination of information, the quality of what's being passed uh, around to each other, what you guys are saying to each other, it's gotten no way worse. And the reason is it's because you guys don't have and you don't realize this, you don't have any perspective. Your perspective doesn't go back enough years to realize it's the experience thing. And you know, it's the it goes back to the whole, you know, fake expert thing or fake influencer thing. Fake, fake, fake. It's the point of it. So when you go to these uh, you know, big forums and whatnot and you ask for advice If you're not knowledgeable enough about the question you're asking, you're going to probably do something that is maybe even illegal or immoral or unethical or certainly in the the very least not in the best interest of the seller. You're going to follow bad advice because most of the agents that are on those websites are going to be telling you things that they only know from their handful of transactions uh, over their handful of years in the business. So you have to be incredibly discerning who you listen to, what you read, what you pay attention to. It is also very interesting to me on the Clubhouse app how you'll have all of these people wall to wall telling you. That the key to your happiness and long-term, you know, success in any business, let alone real estate, is doing videos and doing this and the other thing. And they all, and if you look at their little profiles, every single one of them are. Guess what business they're in? <laughs> I mean, duh, right? They're in the business of basically selling you some widget that's designed to do exactly what they told you it was incredibly important that you do in your business. Well, doesn't your practical sense, you know, nerve endings start to flare up when you're listening to this stuff and you see the Absolute conflict of interest that they have when giving you their advice. Now, it's not like that every time, but at the very least, start being very, very selective of who you listen to, what you listen to. Otherwise, you're going to not get anywhere in your business and you're going to end up essentially following a bunch of paths that lead you nowhere. Thus, back to the ultimate, you know, the survival plan here.
2: Exactly. Well, I want to start the actual plan tomorrow because we're running up against the Facebook live. Well, we
1: can give them a couple. Let's give them one or two points. You've got. We're done right. on time. The actual I'm, I'm paying plan. attention, lady. Okay. I won't yep. make you late. All
2: right, good. So the what is the point of the plan? Let's do that first. This plan will create three new listings, three new buyers, and three pendings, three closings in the next 90 days or less as long as you implement 100% of the plan. So let's stop there. Yeah. If
1: they had three new listings, and let's say none of them sell, mm-hmm. let's just say, okay. but they had at least have three new buyers in contract. Yep. Okay, and so three new listings, three new buyers. Okay. In most markets, that's gonna to equate to probably at least $60,000 in now and eventual revenue, at yes. least.
2: Well, if you count all of that together, yeah, yeah, for sure. And And yes, future generated revenue. But remember, you can't have that expectation if you don't actually follow the plan. Often, our students get immediate results in 30 days or less. So ask for help if you get swamped. We are trying to make you swamped. (laughs) Number one, make a list of 100 past clients, centers of influence, contacts, professional associates, neighbors, and friends. Put this into an organized database. But don't do the database first. Do it as you go. Outlook is free, for example. So don't hit me with what's the best CRM. That's the next place they're going to go. Outlook is free, or you're probably already paying for Top Producer. Your broker has something. You can use Excel. No excuses. Even if you just use your contacts in your iPhone, make contacts.
1: Totally true. And there's so many free CRM apps, guys. You can find these all over iTunes or Android. It's so, this is not something. So again, I was Julie cut herself too. When you're going through these points of the survival plan, how many of you guys are going to be stuck at, oh, good, now I get to spend two weeks looking for the perfect CRM. Yeah, next uh, excuse. I'm going to go on a bunch of Facebook groups and take surveys about what the best CRM is. And then the next thing you know, you're uh, spending $300 a month for a CRM you didn't need. Exactly. This is typical agent behavior. Don't do it. Cut it out. Yes.
2: So make a list. I don't care what it's on. (laughs) And use the list, okay? Okay. Now, number point number two: speak with at least five people from your list per day. Now, that's actual contact.
1: Now, remember, this is a survival plan. We will mm-hmm. talk about, a, a, you know, CRM and all these other things as you get out of survival mode. But for now, it's the survival plan because your goal is to get past this rough patch.
2: Yes. So you're going to have actual conversations with five people. Maybe you only have to dial five today, but you have to dial fifty tomorrow to have actual conversations.
1: Conversation is a actual conversation with a decision making adult about about, real estate. About about real estate, exactly. Yes. And the easiest way to do that for those of you who are a little bit, you know, impish on having conversations that are sales oriented, is end every conversation you have, even if it didn't start out by talking about real estate, asking the simple question, "Oh, by the way, Julie, who do you know who's thinking about buying?" or selling real estate that I should be helping in this market and you will find that that will lead oftentimes to a conversation if not a direct referral
2: yes so speak with using Tim's script at least five people from your list per day no matter what Use the simple past client center of influence script that Tim just gave you or the F-O-R-D Ford script, Family Occupation Recreation Dreams. Both of these can be found on our website. When when you do this five days per week, you will have actually spoken with all 100 of your people every 30 days. Where do you think your business will be when you've done that?
1: What's the key word you just said? Spoken to. Yes. Not emailing, not texting. Not sending a video to, not sending a grasshopper video to, not doing anything. You guys have got to follow the plan directly. Pick up the phone, have the conversation. We give you all sorts of conversation outlines, aka scripts, as part of the coaching program. None of
2: them are hard, by the way. No, they're easy. They're not stressful. Calling your
1: centers of influence and past clients is the easiest thing ever. Look, you don't have time if you're in the survival game or survival guide here. The survival plan to work to work through your psychology about what are they gonna think about me if I ask for business or nope. I don't want to appear as a salesperson or I don't all this other, you know, mental garbage you guys have floating around in your heads. If you're listening to today's podcast because you need direction, because you are in basically a you know down a rabbit hole of financial oblivion and you want to pull yourself back up, if you're trying to build momentum, you don't have time to doctor fill yourself. Just get on the phone, on the phone, on the phone and have the <laughs> conversations that we prescribe to you.
2: Yeah, I mean you you're probably in the survival mode because you've allowed yourself to have all the Dr. Phil headset, head mindset, you know? <laughs> so. You don't get to have problems when you're in the survival plan. You've already blown that and now it's time to get into action.
1: Mental masturbation time is over. Now it's time to get to work.
2: Yes. Now, as you're having these real conversations, we're going to use Tim's script. If they're not moving, ask for the referral. Who else do they know who needs your help buying or selling real estate? Get their current email address. This alone, remember, we're making five contacts a day. So you're going to talk to all 100 people every 30 days because there is an element of lather, rinse, repeat. Just doing that usually gets most of our clients into some serious lead generation. And the
1: conversations that we want you to have, again, Julia's got to get on premiere here in three minutes, but the gist of it is, is you're calling the seller, And the point of calling the seller is to give them, the the script is basically like this. Hey, Julie, this is Tim Harris. Listen, I'm calling all my friends, family, um, people I know and love and care about. You know, you guys can shorten that if you'd like, but I'm trying to give you lots of different words you can use there. Uh, Because everyone seems to be asking me the same question. What the heck's going on at the real estate market? So you don't have to worry. I'm calling everybody today and giving a quick snapshot of what's going on with their home's value. And I've got your snapshot ready for you now. That's the gist of the script. Who's going to say no to that? Okay. And then after you give them a quick snapshot, and that's part of the script. Then you end it with, oh, by the way, who do you know who's thinking about buying or selling real estate who I should be helping? And you do also ask them as part of that script if they'd like a more in-depth study of their home's value, aka a CMA, in which you're going to also ask if they do agree to a CMA, you're going to say, well, are you thinking about putting your house for sale anytime soon? You're going to ask the questions that could result in you hearing the word no. Remember, you're probably in survival mode because you have been doing everything in your power to ever hear the word Mm -hmm. and to avoid ever hearing the word no. And one of the key elements of any level of success in life is putting yourself in a position to hear the word no at least five times a day. That's the reason Julie's having you make five contacts a day because you're putting yourself in a position to hear the word no at least five times a day. And as such, you're going to realize when you hear it, you don't just burst into flames. It's not the worst <laughs> thing ever. You will be just Spontaneous fine. Combustion. And after you've done this for 30 days, oh my gosh, what if Tim and Julie tricked you into, we've tricked you into actually learning how to be a prospector. <laughs> we've tricked you into how how (laughs) we've tricked you into overcoming the fear of hearing the word no you are now going to be a a different a completely different trajectory and we did not spend any points talking about your mindset or your vision board or your big why or any of this other stuff we talked about you getting into action because what happens in life for real is when you're in action what happens is your mindset shifts it changes your mindset does not essentially you guys are making uh, essentially falling victim to believing your mindsets first you have to work on your mindset infinitum and then you get into action you get into action and your mindset changes as you're taking the right actions towards the accomplishment of your goal and when you see yourself doing the work physically you know see yourself doing the work and see yourself experiencing the success that comes from the work your mindset is completely changed you've changed the hardwiring in your brain this is how it really works guys if you really want to get to work so, Julie, speaking of which, you need to get yes, on a premiere.
2: Yes, and by <laughs> the way, the stuff in the survival plan works even better for people who have been in you know, in business for a while because yep. they're already a little bit more comfortable on the phone. They've got a bigger database. You know,
1: I've not found that to be true, what you just said. I found people that have yep. been in the business for a longer period of time absolutely are not usually the ones that are going to be easiest to get on the phone. Oh, I'm
2: not saying I'm not saying that they're easy to get them to do it because they've developed an ego, some of them. I'm saying the ones that actually get over that and do it do get good results. Oh, for sure. So this is not just for newbies.
1: Yeah, no, so. definitely not for newbies. And I agree with you. The people that are a little bit more, let's not call them seasoned veterans, but let's just say they're... Um, I don't know what would be the word. What's not seasoned? What would be well salted veterans? Let's yeah. say
2: <laughs> salty types. <laughs> they're yeah. salty
1: types. There are the ones that are going to see the most uh, bang for the buck. This yeah. pro, this plan that you created is actually perfect not for the people that are unconsciously incompetent, mm. but the ones that are consciously incompetent. Yes. the ones in that mm-hmm. second phase of learning when they're done trying, done looking, done searching, yeah. done thinking, done procrastinating, done in. doctor filling. They're ready to get to work this plan's perfect for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and if you guys are ready to join the XP Realty, please feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206. Of course, Julie and I would love to sponsor you into our eXp Realty group. Just text us directly at 512-758-0206 and we'll have a conversation with you about you joining Julie and I at eXp Realty. Obviously, eXp Realty is pretty much the topic du jour everywhere you turn. I know it's going to continue to be. It's just, if you think you've waited too long, I had someone text me this yesterday asking if they waited too long. Here, let me just put this in perspective. There probably are close to 50,000 EXP realtors right now in the United States, Canada and all over the world. I'm maybe like 46 or 47, I'm not sure. But I, you know, there's 2.1 million uh, licensees in North America alone. So if you put that just those two numbers in perspective, there's not even let's say 50,000 yet and there's 2.1 million potential agents out there that'll join EXP just in North America. How many agents are there are there in, in the entire world? I have I mean, I can only guess 10 million, 15 million. 20 Twenty million, maybe. So EXP has got a long way to go. So don't make the mistake of you know waiting any longer because you've not waited too long yet. But if you wait another maybe two or three years, maybe you would have. Now is the perfect time. So if you're ready to join EXP and you're looking for the right sponsor, text me directly at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.
0: This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching.